You're listening to the Oh Yeah Dig It Podcast Show on Anchor FM and the Magic Squirrel Network. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Justin Gregory, and I'm back with the Oh Yeah Dig It Podcast Show. The Oh Yeah Dig It Podcast Show is a pop culture audio experience back in time covering the nostalgia from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. It's the cream of the crop when it comes to pop, and I want to thank all of my Digiversians for listening and subscribing. And if you're new to the show, please subscribe on whatever platform you use. You can find the Oh Yeah Dig It podcast show on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podcoin, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. If you want to reach out to me via social media, you can find me on Twitter at Oh Yeah Dig It Show, Instagram at Oh Yeah Dig It, and on Facebook at Oh Yeah Dig It. Drop me a message, reach out, let me know what you think, or show suggestions, please and thank you. Okay, so... For episode 7 of the Oh Yeah Dig It podcast show, I'll be discussing the one and only DMX. That's right, DMX, a.k.a. Earl Simmons. On December 18, 1970, the world blessed us with one birth of Earl Simmons out of Mount Vernon, New York. That's what I thought. But after doing a little bit more research, I've seen reports that says he was born in Baltimore, Maryland. My uh, hometown, if you will. Uh, nice, nice. Um, he was the second child for his mother, Arnett Simmons, who had previously given birth to his sister, Bonita. Um, upon DMX's birth, he was gifted with the rhyme. That's right. He was gifted with the rap. No, I'm just joking. I don't know. Uh, in some serious news, his father abandoned the family, and this would have a profound effect on his suffering with bronchial asthma. Um, and just growing up in general, because he spent a lot of nights in the hospital as a young child um, after attacks, would uh, wake him up in his sleep, and he would struggle to breathe. Um, a lot of it, they think, was stress-induced because of the family situation. Um, he was also raised as Jehovah's Witness, which would also cause strife in adulthood, um, because when he was young, he was hit by a car, and he could have reached a settlement of more than $10,000, but his mom's put the kibosh on that because of her religious beliefs. She didn't want to go forward with the proceedings. Um, and other sad news with that, Simmons would also suffer beatings from his mother and her numerous boyfriends over the years in his adolescence. So much so that he lost teeth, got cuts, abrasions, I think even some broken bones. Dude was going through it at a young age. Uh, but this loving environment would propel Earl to start roaming the streets of Yonkers, where he found solace in befriending stray dogs. And he was trying to take them in. Um, but this is the act of kindness that wasn't accepted by his mother. And uh, because of that, 
she put him in a boy's home. And in the boy's home, this is where the seeds of Simmons' musical endeavors were planted. This is where he began performing hip-hop music for his friends, who pushed him to keep working on his craft. After learning the Excuse me. After leaving the boys' home, Earl had his musical aspirations elevated when he met a local rapper named Reddy Ron. They soon became partners, and Simmons would adopt the name DMX from the Oberheim DMX drum machine, which he used at the boys' school. This would also become an acronym for Dark Man X, which I find pretty cool because I remember back in the day when he first came out, uh, shortly before he had come out, Reebok had a line of shoes called DMX, and I remember people thinking, "Oh, it's because he's named after the he named, he got his name after the sneaker, and he did, you know it's all oh, Dark Man X." Um, I didn't really know until a couple years after that it was because of the uh, drum machine that he was using to make beats when he was younger. Cool fun fact. Uh, but he started making moves in hip hop in the hip hop industry uh, in some of its earlier years, actually in 1984 to be exact. Uh, when he was beatboxing for Reddy Ron. Um, he would do short stints in prison for robbery and other petty crimes, but that gave him the time to write the lyrics where he met fellow rapper K-Solo. And upon his release, DMX produced and sold his mixtapes. And this is what built his local fan base. And his clout grew even more when in a 1991 article, Unsigned Hype, in the source, Gabriel Gravenstruck exec, uh, exalted DMX praised him, put him up high. Uh, there was also the year 1991 that he recorded the demos Unstoppable Force and Three Little Pigs. And then, in a move that would have thought to help push him further in his career, he signed with Columbia Records in 92. 92. Think about all the people that were out in 92. And you didn't even hear DMX. He signed to their roughhouse label where they released the ill-received single, Born Loser. Uh, due to its lackluster reception, both parties agreed to part ways, and he was released from his contract. Through 94 and 97, X released a second single, Make a Move, and made numerous collaborations with artists such as Jay-Z, Ja Rule, Mike Geronimo, LL Cool J, and The Locks, and pop-punk band Sum 41. So 1998 arrives, and this would be the year of X. DMX made his major label debut on Def Jam Recordings with the albums It's Dark and Hell is Hot and Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood. It's Dark was released in May of 98, and man, let me tell you, I remember that so vividly. There was so much hype behind it. Uh, Rough Riders Anthem was kind of already out, playing on the radio. And as soon as that thing dropped, I went to the the record store and bought that CD. And me and my friends played it from intro to outro, and it was it was a banger. The whole the whole CD, the whole record, if you will, was a gem because every song on it was good. And his style, I mean, X's style is is he's a real storyteller, and and the grit and the grime in his voice, like you believe what he was saying. And I feel like even to this day. There's a lot of truth to it, especially with his background, you know, in the world of cookie cutter rappers and shit like that. Like he was the real thing. Um, but it was released in May of 98 and it contained the single Get At Me Dog and Rough Riders Anthem, as I've stated previously. 
The album debuted at number one on Billboard 200, selling over 5 million copies. And then in December, he released Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood. Again, debuted at number one, eventually going platinum four times, and he's the only rapper to do this, dropping two albums that went number one in the same year, other than Tupac Shakur. Promptly, one year later, DMX released, and then there was X, again reaching number one on the Billboard 200. It amassed critical success and went six times platinum, thanks to singles Party Up, What's My Name, and the old mysterious question regarding the relationship of men and women, what these bitches want. Uh, This being X's third number one album, uh, it was was supposed to catapult him into the stratosphere. But as all things go up, they too must come down. And in this time, in this time, X started doing movies. He started doing films. Um, Going back to 1998, this would be the first appearance in film as Tommy Buns Bundy in the Hype Williams classic, Belly also featuring Nas, Method Man, and T-Boz from TLC. Belly depicted the lives of Sincere, who was played by Nas, and Tommy Buns Bundy, who who was played by DMX, a dangerous duo who pushed the edge with drug dealing and robberies in the name of street survival. But the singular path these two men walk along splits, and they have to make some heavy decisions. Belly definitely gets four creamers in the Digitverse rating scale. Ooh, yeah! So on the cusp of 2000, X released, and then there was X. But in 2000, he starred in the action film Romeo Must Die with Jet Li and the late Aaliyah. In terms of numbers, 2000 was a good year for X. Playing Silk in Romeo Must Die, X did a duet for the soundtrack with Aaliyah called Come Back in One Piece. The film itself is about a former Chinese police officer who travels to the U.S. to investigate and avenge his brother's death. He also falls in love with the viral mobster's daughter, and they both try to take out Chinese and American mobs. This is a loose adaptation of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. With a $25 million budget, it did $91 million in the box office. Success. In 2001, DMX drops his fourth album, The Great Depression. Released in October, it was another album that again topped the Billboard 200. Depression contained the singles Who We Be, We Right Here, and Shorty was the bomb. The Great Depression reached triple platinum status, but you know, according to critics, it wasn't a commercial success. You know, because <laughs> three million albums isn't isn't you know that, that that's not the sonic success. I will say some of his flows felt a little slower in their deliveries, and while the beats still had that DMX sound, they didn't have the bite on this album. That's just my opinion, though. Also. He started Exit Wounds with Steven Seagal the same year. Yeah. Grand Champ was released on September 16, 2003 on Def Jam Recordings, and it has two singles to support it with Wear the Hood At and Get It On The Floor. It garnered first week sales of 312,000 copies in the U.S. Again, X reached number one on the Billboard 200. Get It On The Floor definitely bumps. Signature what? In reference to slugs adorn this probable club work. And to me, X kind of has a pep in his step. I mean, I would say throughout his career, X is the best storyteller in hip-hop alive. And I mean currently, too. I mean, Grand Champ is a proclamation. 
Of course you come out heavy. What? Where the hood at comes in with that sound of epicness. This is eminent, especially when X starts spitting. This track is a great expression from DMX regarding the environment in the hood. What he fucks with. What he doesn't fuck with. It's an explanation of his expectations when he's in the hood. What hood means to him and what you better expect. Because he ain't got the time to waste with bums in his face. He probably didn't have time to waste because he was also reunited with Jet Li and Cradle to the Grey. A gripping foray into the jewel heist business. How to evade the SWAT team and attract a Taiwanese agent played by Jet Li. And lose your daughter to a rival criminal and the Taiwanese agent's ex-partner. So obviously you and the agent team up to get your daughter back. Oh yeah. And Black Diamonds too. The end. So 2006 rolls around and DMX has resigned with Columbia Records. Releasing Year of the Dog. Again, this time X's fifth, sixth effort would only reach number two on Billboard 200. The singles We In Here and Lord Give Me A Son are the high points of this album. As noted by online review source Metacritic, who gave it an L score, which is equivalent to three out of five stars, clearly X's poetic touch remains intact, but Year of the Dog relies too heavily on nostalgia, ignoring how hip-hop and DMX himself have changed over the years. While I agree to a point, I don't agree that X was ignoring how he himself has changed. I believe that he was trying to stay true to himself and his delivery. His life was very turbulent at and before this release. It's a struggle to even keep working and be you like the world knows you to be. And you also have demons and legal issues you have to address and save face for. Between 2008 and 2011, Def Jam released the greatest hits by DMX entitled The Definition of X. The Pick of the Litter, and a compilation album, The Best of DMX. But in an interesting turn of events, in 2009, DMX pursued preaching and even completed a gospel album, subsequently before he was to serve jail time. Undisputed was released in 2012, reaching number 19 on the Billboard 200. It included the single Last Hope. It was at this time X signed with Seven Arts Entertainment, Incorporated who had recently acquired United Music Media Group's music assets. This included DMX's catalog, leading to the two-record deal. Undisputed did include a track featuring an up-and-coming rapper by the name of Machine Gun Kelly, though, also. Other features that DMX was a part of were the films Never Die Alone, Lords of the Street, and like eight direct-to-DVD movies, Blame It on the Hustle, King Dog, and The Bleeding, just to name a few. For all of this, in recent years, X seems to be most identified with by his legal woes. As a youngster, he did time for petty crimes, robberies, and a carjacking. But as a public figure, what would seem like evidence to his pros, X seems to be slipping into a mental breakdown. His offenses include resisting arrest, reckless driving, drug possession, falsification of identity, and animal cruelty. I find it funny, though, that admittedly, X has always been gruff and candor, and maybe not the easiest to deal with by police, that he received the sentences he did. Most celebrities, even by today's standards, would pay out or get slaps on the wrists. It seems like every time Earl Simmons' name was on the docket, the judge was imposed to deal the highest punishment to X. Example, in 2000, DMX served 15 days in jail for a marijuana possession charge. Now, I get that others have probably served longer for a similar charge, but at this time in his career, he wasn't given a payout? 
I guess his old charges stayed with him and his celebrity didn't mean shit. For what it's worth, DMX has made a real effort to work out his demons, financial issues, and religious beliefs. Aside from admitting to an addiction to crack cocaine and his claim to bipolar disorder, X has become a deacon in the Christian faith and as of 2012 was working towards becoming an ordained pastor. He's the father of 15 children, his most recent having been born in 2016. In February of 2016, X had a major health scare when he was found lifeless in Yonkers. While this event is scrutinized due to witness account and X's drug history, no illegal substances were identified on or around him. DMX cited the collapse was from an asthma attack. In January of 2018, X was again sent to jail on a bail violation after previously pleading guilty to tax evasion. From his court hearing in March of 2018, he received a one-year sentence. He was released in January of this year and under a supervised release for three years. At this point, I understand that he's out. He's been doing a couple shows already. He's getting out there, getting the name out there, just trying to be busy again, probably make that money, of course. Um, and, of course, I breezed over some things. We know he did some VH1 shows about his rehab and his family and his wife. And there's a lot of other things I could have touched upon. But he's got a very storied life. I do believe that X is one of the truest artists out there. And if you haven't listened to him and you're a fan of hip-hop, I don't know what you're doing because he's really good and you need to listen to him. And I hope nothing for the best of him now. Um and yeah, I do. And with that, I would like to say that this is also going to be the last episode that the Oh Yeah Dig It podcast show does on a musical band or act. Because I do love music, most types, I love it all. But I'm finding for the format of my show, as I try to improve, I want to focus more on the things that really pertain to my interests and really pertain to the general audience that I'm trying to attract. Comic books, movies, books, pop culture, toys. I know music plays a part, and I might touch upon music when it comes to soundtracks and movies or whatnot, or you know, if they play an integral part of a time. But I'm really not going to be trying to focus on one singular act like I was for a couple of the episodes I've done so far. And I would appreciate anybody's understanding. I'm not trying to be lackluster. This is my shortest episode ever. And it's because of that. Because it, it actually kind of takes a lot of work to, to uh, find, not find the information, I guess, but just try to put stuff in the information that isn't already known. Um, and a lot of the acts kind of are still going on strong today, you know, um, whether it's through a nostalgic tour or whatever. And with, with the other genres of pop culture, like they're kind of already done. They're, they're, they have, they had their moment and they live on through the pop culture spectacle. So that's my reasoning. I hope everybody understands and again with that i'm signing off oh yeah